2: Toward the right center
3: field fly. ball dropping diving tribe it gets past the center fielder harris Rabella will wave home reynolds here comes hayes he is there with a trip trip triple the red hot hayes Milwaukee they they flip-flopped each game. They lost Thursday, won Friday, lost Saturday when they should have won. Yeah. I like I'm not not to to like be that guy, but if they would have just closed out last night and Saturday, they are only five out of the wild card. Oh and, my God. is it going go anywhere this late in the season? Probably not, but like I'd take my chances.
2: Well, it's like it's just shocking to look at the standing still. Cause I think at a certain point when it starts going like this, you kind of just you know, like they just
3: so bad for so long. I would have guessed they were ten plus out.
2: It's yeah. I mean, it's
3: like just, you you know, without looking.
2: Well, and like Dude, I think you to go the go to, Angels. The, yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing. You start looking around the league, and you're like, well, wait a minute. Obviously, they've been absolute dog, but that hot start is still it's kind of cashing out a little bit. It's nine and a half out as we enter today. Um, seven and a half in the wild card. Maybe we should just start the episode there, Marty. And uh, we talk about a team that has faith and has life that is still playing against the Atlanta Braves as we speak in game number three. It is the top of the ninth. Uh, They're down 6-5 to in this game. So hopefully, I think we had an episode earlier this season where it imploded and they lost mid-episode. So let's maybe hope this is the comeback episode and this team can get uh, even closer there. If you were with us from the jump, that's right, guys. Seven and a half games. The Pittsburgh Pirates, that is the distance between their wild card bid uh, right now. Let's see, Marty. Maybe this team's got a, a September run in them and, uh, you know, an August run the rest of this month as well. And maybe just maybe they will make the playoffs in a season where baseball's kind of at a low point. The National League, especially, is not looking rather hefty. Maybe they make a run and they beat up on these Atlanta Braves that they look so darn good against the last few nights. They make the World Series, they win the World Series. There's a feeling in the air. The Pittsburgh Pirates. I've shown um, a lot of fun things since the last time we recorded. That was August the 2nd, the trade deadline. Since then, Marty, uh, you know, I think if you really focus on this series against Atlanta, this is where you get excited. You see the young bucks swinging the bats. You you know, you see this team trading blows with a team that everybody's penciled in as the World Series champions this year. Um, You know, a team that is offensively breaking records and is doing things, um, you know, that World Series champions do. The Pirates... I don't know if we're going to call them, uh, if they necessarily have looked like World Series contenders, but this has been a fun series. It's been a fun week, um, you know, with the damage they did in Milwaukee as well. You're starting to see this come together, obviously, at the plate, maybe more so than on the bump. We're going to get into all that tonight. Marty Leap, Trey Yannity, back with you. This is Rum Bunter Radio. Thank you all for joining us, as always, and be sure to check out the website and our Twitter, at Rum Bunter. Let's get into it, Marty. This is... Um, you know, it's the Pittsburgh Pirates team that are showing a lot of life at the plate. And we're seeing different combinations. We're seeing different guys step up. Um, we still kind of hadn't really decided what call we wanted to run out of the open uh for this episode, but I think we went with the Revis home run. Um, maybe some Cabrian Hayes. I don't know. You guys, you guys know better than us at this point. But Marty, uh the the pitching has not been quite as stellar, especially since the all-star break. The Pirates Ace he's fallen off a bit um and you know we got to figure out what we're going to do with this fifth slot here as some other moves and uh and different action went down over the past week how are you doing marty and how are you feeling about these pitch for pirates as we enter the month of august now
3: i mean i'm not good i'm not bad but if you're worried about who the pirates are going to put in the fifth slot in their starting rotation good christ i'm worried about 3 and 4 still this <laughs> um it's it's yeah who boy it's I know we joked about them being seven and a half out. And before we got on, I told you, man, if they could have just closed out Saturday night in Milwaukee and last night against Atlanta, they'll only be five and a half out. But, um, yeah, this team has no pitching. (laughs) They have no pitching whatsoever. Mitch Keller has completely imploded. And I think the most concerning part about Keller is people are going to look at, you know, his last handful of starts. They've been extremely poor, and that's a very valid point. However, what's most concerning to me about Mitch Keller is the, the poor starts go back quite a ways. Um, his last 14 starts. So this is going back to May 26th. He's got a five eighty nine ERA. That's uh, that's, that's not what you want to see over a uh, two going on three month stretch now from the guy who's supposed to be the AC rotation. Um, So, yeah, we'll we'll see. There's a lot of questions to be answered here these last six weeks, seven weeks, whatever it is. I mean, offensively, it seems – and even offensively, it's like – it seems like you start to get one thing figured out with a guy like Andy Rodriguez, and then all of a sudden, Jack Sawinski is just – since the start of June has been incapable of hitting the baseball with any sort of consistency, so it's back to the drawing board there. But, uh, hey, it's the ebbs and flows of a young team, I suppose. And uh, if if nothing else – You know, watching the young guys, watching the Andy Rodriguez's and the over Pagueros and Henry Davis's of the world. And I mean, hell, even Alfonso Rivas, since he's gotten here, um, has been fun. And I would much rather watch that crew go out there and lose baseball games and get experience and start to answer questions about who is and isn't part of the future than watch a bunch of journeymen, ragtag veterans who aren't going to be here beyond this year, maybe play 500 baseball.
2: Well, you know, what the hell is the difference at the end of the day, Marty? I mean, yeah, it's, exactly. as far as when loss goes,
3: right? yeah, what, what's the matter? You're not, if you're not going to make the postseason, what's the matter if you lose 90 games or if you go 81 and 81? There's no damn difference. There's no oh. difference whatsoever. You're better off, and when you're in a position the Pirates are in, you're better off losing 90 and giving your young guys as many reps as possible for growth, for development, for figuring out who the hell you can count on in 2024 and beyond and who you can't as you would be having Carlos Santana and G Choi and Rich Hill help get you to 80 wins? Because that, that ultimately means absolutely nothing.
2: It's just a middle ground that I think is easy to sell yourself on because it, it's better. You know, it's not perfect. It's not winning baseball, but it's better than losing, um, you know, the clip that they are. But uh, that's purgatory, I think, uh, in a roundabout way. That's what you want to avoid. And with this rebuild, with a small market team like Pittsburgh, I think you always have to think about, you know, what needs to go right for winning to happen. And it's a little bit of a different combination than most cities. It's a pretty specific and, you know, special formula they have to put together to make it work in Pittsburgh. And, you know, over the last three years, over the last, I don't remember the exact month date when this regime took over, but, you know, we've seen them, I'll use the word methodically and, um, you know, slowly build this up and build this foundation and this young core. You have to go through what we're seeing right now to make this work. And it just doesn't matter if you're, you know, if you're losing games with veterans or with guys that are are putting asses in the seat at the end of the day. that just I want to win, Marty. I want to win, you know, with the grandest scale. I want to go to the World Series. And while it didn't happen in the last regime, those teams were put together. You know, those were teams that could have done that maybe in a year, maybe in two years the this regime has done the same. The Pirates have a team that, you know, you feel comfortable in saying that they're going to be a contender. But right now, that is not what they have. So you have to let this young foundation get in there and get experience and get used to this and build that, you know, that culture and uh, get you to that next window because it is a specific combination of things that has to go right. These guys have to work out, and we're getting to see that slowly but surely. Like you said, Indy Rodriguez really coming on here the last week, and um, you know they're putting out one fire at a time. Uh, but let's start with the top of the trolley, Marty. I was just saying before we got started, I always forget about it. We tuck it into the episode, but I, you know, it's it's easy to uh, to get upset about what is going on with the staff and Mitch Keller and everything else. Let's start on a high note. What is the best thing that you have seen over the last, I guess, eight days of Pirates baseball?
3: Yeah, you already kind of mentioned mine. I know we've kind of mentioned him in general so far, but I'm going to go Andy Rodriguez. Um, It's just he has really, really impressed. Um, He's one for three with a walk against Atlanta tonight. So through his first 65 plate appearances, he's up to a 766 OPS. His WRC plus is up to 104. His walk rate's almost 10%. His ISO, which what you really like to see, because one of the questions with ending and the minors was, is there going to be that raw power there? Well, his isolated slugging, which measures that's 220, which is well above league average. Um, and all of this is keeping in mind the kid started 0 for 7 with six strikeouts. So he didn't let that get to him. He's rebounded. He's really come along. But what, what I've loved most about Andy since he's been up here, he's been watching him behind the plate. Um, he has. Been a good pitch framer. You're watching him. The little things, the little things that we were told that Austin Hedges just did so incredibly well that Andy Rodriguez could never possibly catch over him in the major league level. We're seeing Andy do with success. We're seeing Andy with the mound visits the right time, talking his pitchers through things. He's, he's fired up back there, he, you know, giving them the, just the, Hey, take it easy, calm it down. Whenever he sees the pitcher starting to rush and not follow through on their deliveries and over pitching and things of that nature. So they, like, and he just looks like a future captain type player, especially doing what he's doing behind the dish when catching and when handling his pitching staff, you throw in that. He's been an above average hitter. Um, and those numbers would be even better, like I said, if you overlooked an 0-7 start with 6Ks. So, yeah, definitely Andy Rodriguez. I, I think the Pirates, you know, it's only 65 played appearances. But, I mean, the, the guy in Fangraph's latest rankings was the 11th best prospect in all the baseball for a reason. I think they have an absolute future superstar on their hands in Andy Rodriguez, and we're starting to see it.
2: I completely agree. And no matter the amount of plate appearances, you, you can watch it. You can just see it. It's the eye test, I think, for some of these guys. Baseball that might be harder than uh, you know than certain sports, but with Indy Rodriguez, you can just see it. Uh, Solid top of the trial there. An exciting week for Indy, but um, you know I, I got to get my top of the trial here too, Marty. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go keep Brian Hayes. It's been fun to see him, you know, kind of get back this season and um, you know work out of what was a, a little bit of a slump there. He's hitting the cover off the ball. So it's just good to see that leadership at the top of the lineup again tonight. Um, Keep Ryan Hayes is going to be my top of the trail. And it might've been our call at the top of the episode as well. Uh, um, Marty.
3: Thing real quick. I want to mention they were talking to Charlie while I'm thinking of it. Um, partially inspired because Ronald Cunha just being Ronald Acuna just made yeah. the incredible catch to rob him of extra bases. Brian Reynolds has really started to uh, get, get, get this figured out um, and get this turned around. And just, just I want to mention that, I mean, no matter who you ask, Brian includes, I can tell you it's been a disappointing season for him. Now, I do think a back issue that he's been battling has been a big part of that. Rather, than the Pirates and Reynolds want to admit it's an issue or not. But um, since coming into tonight, since July 26, Reynolds was hitting it about a 360 clip with four home runs, four home runs, five home runs, something like that. Um, his OPS has gone up like 50 points in the last like 10 days. I think it's safe to say that whatever was was plaguing Reynolds for a big chunk of the summer, there it seems to be that he's he's working his way out of it. And you know that it's that's more important for the future than it is for now, obviously, because he he is as I, I argue your your biggest single piece moving forward, your biggest single building block moving forward, at least as of now. So uh, to see him, if he can put together a strong, you know, six, seven weeks here to finish the season, you're going to, you're you're going to feel a, a lot better about things moving forward.
2: And that's what I love about that contract because they, you know, for as, Ambiguous as they've been about certain things at times, they made it clear he's a centerpiece of this team. You know, he is your captain, he is your superstar. And that's what's great about Cabrian Hayes, too. You know, along with Brian Reynolds, seeing them heat up here, it's like great to get these guys up, great to see Andy start to figure it out, great to see Henry Davis, you know, do some things well. But you can't have the the cornerstones of this rebuild, you know, the guys that you need to still be the somewhat veterans in quotations of this team. You need them to continue to um, get better and, you know, to kind of come into their own and in certain ways this season. I think this is so nice too, because you get to this point contract, we're, we're months deep now at this point. And um, you know, that, that sometimes changes things. It's great to see Brian continue to be Brian Reynolds and um, you know, in such a mental game, I, I don't know. I, Brian's such a quiet guy. I do not know from the interviews, from social media, You know, how much the mental weighs on him, but um, you know, it's good to see that for a guy that is that quiet, you know, a guy that that doesn't necessarily wear his heart on his sleeve. He's worked out of this mental slump, um, you know, or whatever you want to call it here. And he is uh he's heating up as well. Sour pierogi, I almost forgot, Marty. I was like, man, what is the I don't know if we have a bottom of the trolley. Sour pierogi, it's gone stale. I might give out a collective one here, Marty. If you have something specific, please. Um, but we have seen a guy that was one of two All-Stars in the Pittsburgh Pirates this year. And, you know, while, while we're talking about it, against last night, David Bednar, the other All-Star, blowing a save against Atlanta. But, Marty, we got a guy that, uh, you know, we thought had figured it out here. And I think we were always timid to talk about it like that with Mitch Keller. It had been episode after episode, year after year, start after start, where maybe we saw a little something. No, it's the same Mitch Keller. This is not a good baseball player. This is a guy that, um, you know, is another dud a top prospect that didn't work out. But then the second half of 2022 came around the start of this season, the first half. And I guess really just into may as we get into the numbers here, Marty. Um, But, you know, we thought we had a guy that had figured it out. Let's get into the context a little bit of what is going on right now. What do you think has changed? And is this salvageable for the pirates and Mitch Keller?
3: That's oh man. Um, it's tough, you know. You look at Mitch, and the first thing you're always going to wonder with him is going to be the mental aspect of it, because so much of his struggles in 2019, in 2020, and in 2021, in early 2022, um, it just he looked like he wasn't confident. Um, now, in this recent struggle, I don't know if that's been there quite as much. He's still getting a lot of strikeouts. His stuff. What what concerns me, I think most, it's not like it was earlier in the year when we saw Ronzi Contreras or Luis Ortiz struggle, and their velocity was way down. You're like, all right, there's something going on there. That you know, Mitch's velocity's been fine. His his slider and curveball, the the spin rates are. There's nothing wrong. There's no red flags there. Which just leads me to be concerned like has the league figured something out H- have they figured something out on him and adjusted accordingly um i don't think it's an issue of him like tipping pitches or anything of the sort um sorry one of my cats was trying to eat the carpet and pulled off the wall yeah. but, um, <laughs> no it, it's, she's probably frustrated too watching mitch color pitch recently yeah, that's exactly. she's, kind of sure she's talking about it and it's getting her upset but uh no like i was saying what, what concerns me about mitch is has the league figured something out? And what I was about to say was I don't think – you know. sometimes you see this, you're like, oh, man, is the guy tipping pitches. I don't think that's the case because his delivery has not changed at all um, since the time he's been in the majors. And usually that's something where if that's happening, you you pick up on the very quickly as a pitcher, as a staff, and you adjust. So, yeah, I don't know. Again, maybe the league's figured something out with him, um, and they've adjusted and he hasn't been able to. I don't know, but – like I said, his last 14 starts back to May 26th, a 5.89 ERA. Um, that's not good. I mean, now, albeit that's been ballooned a lot lately, what he's given up eight earned runs and what, two of his last four starts, something like that. But he still wasn't pitching quite as well as he had pitched from May of last year through most of May of this year. Um, so, yeah, you, you have your concerns there. That This is a big thing. Like, I, I know – I am not as optimistic on them contending in 2024 as some people are, but there's no, absolutely no scenario, no path in which the Pittsburgh Pirates contend for a postseason berth in 2024 if Mitch Keller is not pitching like a top-of-the-rotation arm. It's it's just, it's that's the fact. Because you look ahead to opening day 2024 and that rotation, you're going to have Keller, you're going to have Johan Oviedo, I think unless he just absolutely stinks down the stretch, Bailey Falters probably in there and then probably two guys you bring in in the off season, you need Keller to be the ace of that group. Yes, you've got help coming next year with your rotation with Solemeto, with Jared Jones, with Paul Skeens, but a as great of a prospects as all those guys are, especially Skeens, you've got to see it in the majors. And B, none of them are probably in the majors before, you know, Mid June at the soonest. So you could be buried by then. You, so yeah, Mitch has got to get it figured out. If Mitch doesn't get this figured out, um, that they're not going to contend next year. It's that simple. And, um, I don't know. I'll be curious to see what happens. I'm also not convinced, especially if he continues to scuffle along here, uh, that they don't, uh, let me word that better. I'm not going to say. With 100% certainty, they don't trade him in the offseason. Um, based off some conversations I've had with people in the industry this week, with both Mitch Keller and David Bednar, it seemed like the Pirates were probably more open to moving them at the deadline than people thought. But when it came to moving them, their idea was a baseball trade, you know, major league piece for major league piece. And one of the teams I was told they talked it over with was a team who kind of fringe contending right now. So it's like to them making that trade would make more sense in the off season. And that's where you see those baseball trade and look at last year with Luis arise for Pablo um, uh, Lopez as an example. So I, I still think that's a possibility also, but yeah. Assuming Mitch Keller's here next year, if he's not pitching like the ACE that he pitched as from May of last year through, you know, into May and even really through June of this year before he started the scuffle um, this team doesn't contend. It's that simple. I, I would argue Mitch Keller is the most important player on this roster for them to be able to contend because I don't care how good of a team you have without a true top of the rotation starting pitcher. You're not going to contend for the postseason And the pirates certainly do not have a good enough team to even enter that conversation right now. So they need Mitch to be the guy, and he just... Man, I don't know. I, I really, I really don't know. I, I know I said this to you and Nick in our text the other day, but you, you, you can't convince me. You cannot convince me. Mitch Collar is better than Johann Oviedo. You, you can't.
2: You, you can't do it. Nope. And that's what I think gives you hope. You know the fact that okay, well. I'm with you. I do think Mitch Keller probably is the most important piece on this roster, but you do still have um options if not. And I think Johan Oviedo maybe is the guy that you circle as that potential ace, but it it has to work out one way or the other if he's an ace or not for this team to compete next season and you know in the future as well. Um and Bob Walk said something that I thought was um, you know, super accurate this way. I think it was ninety-three point seven the fan. And uh, excuse me if I miss um. You know, quoting my guy Bob here, getting the, the radio station wrong, but Bob was talking about how this is kind of more serious than losing O'Neill, even when they did. You know, and this is a guy that's still playing every fifth day, that is still on this team and starting, you know, versus a guy that broke his ankle in half. And it, I think it has that same kind of magnitude because you do need that ace to anchor this rotation, to... You know, be the bell cow. And, you know, you can kind of correlate this to the winning as well. When Mitch Keller was, you know, he threw a complete game shutout, Pirates are winning games. They win that series against Los Angeles. And, you know, really everybody on that staff is pitching well. And I think if you look back, because it's kind of what you have to do when, you know, you're winning a lot of games and all of a sudden you're not, it's like, well, well, what was going right? And now what's not going right? And the first thing I think with any winning team versus a losing team is it's always going to be pitching. And, The Pirates were getting a lot of it from everybody. And then all of a sudden they were getting, you know, not a whole lot of it from anybody. And um, it's, I think this is a way more terrifying feeling than when they weren't scoring runs. Obviously you want them to, you know, not be scoring at a historically bad clip, but you, you always, I think, kind of have that feeling that it's going to work out at the plate. This is, you know, damn near completely detrimental to everything they've built if they cannot find a singular starter out of everybody in this organization, if they can't have one guy that you feel comfortable as this is a probable win for this team when he pitches and they don't have that right now, Marty. Um, they don't.
3: That's, and that's, that's what's most concerning to me as we're closing in on the end of year four of this thing with Ben Charrington. And, I, I'm not going to include anybody in the minor leagues in this conversation because that's not helping the major league team right now. Well, but so even they, like the draft
2: picks, it's like, why does he go out and like, look at these last two drafts with the pitching. I, you know, I get you're going after a certain type of guy, but it's like, you just wonder what the vision here as far as arms go.
3: But just you take Paul Skeens, take Jared Jones, take Anthony Solomon. Those are the three legitimate Top 100 prospects, in Skeens' case, arguably the best prospect, position player, or pitcher in all of baseball. You know, it might be between him and Jackson Holliday. Take those three, put them on a shelf, okay?
0: What has Ben Charrington... What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify.
3: Acquired pitching wise, especially starting pitching, that gives you hope. Johan Oviedo, okay, I'll give you that one. Oviedo looks like a very quality number three type starting pitcher. Look at some of these other pitchers, though, that he's gone out and acquired. Will Crow, Eddie Yean, Drake Fellows. If you don't know who Bro. the hell Drake Fellows is, I don't blame you. Omar Cruz, like Michelle Miliano, it's been a disaster. Is it, that a Ben it,
2: Sherrington problem now? Or is that an Oscar Marine and stuff? Cause it's like, you know, you look at a guy like Miguel Yahure and Ronzy Contreras and you more. Know, <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, but like that, those guys, you think are your one and two of the future and you know, they're damn near unserviceable at this point. So it's I
0: like, mean,
3: I, I get what you're saying, but to me, ultimately with a professional sports team, when it comes to the roster Everything falls at the feet of the GM. The GM is the guy who builds the roster. Yes, the coaching staff is there to develop and bring them along, but they can only work with what they've been given. You know, and I get what you're saying because I mean, it seems to get
2: worse though. You know, like, yeah. I mean,
3: <laughs> but, but again, I, I I agree with that. But again, it falls at the feet of the GM because who's the one who fires coaches? Who's the one yeah. who fires yeah. them? You know what I mean? Like, I understand that you don't want to step on your manager's toes maybe for firing coaches, but like, dude, how the hell have neither Andy Haynes or Oscar Marine been fired yet? Like, yeah. come on, let, let's, let's show some signs of something here. It's just, I, I I don't know. I I could rant about this all day, but the, 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 I mean I'm getting for. I know we're on a video, but Trey can see it. I'm stepping off my bar I stole it at the bar in the basement. At
2: the <laughs> we got yeah. standing, Marty. Now
3: it, it's like you you st- you were the best team in the National League through April. What yeah. they were doing was never going to be sustainable to that level. But there's no reason we should be sitting here on August 9th with a team that's 51 and 63 has no pitching whatsoever. Your offense is completely hit or miss. It's just, it's it's sickening where they're at. And I just, I don't know. I have a hard time finding positives in this. And a lot of that goes back to the pitching. I think lineup-wise, they can be okay. You know, you have Reynolds. You, you feel really good about Andy Rodriguez. You feel really good about him. I know Henry Davis has struggled some lately, but he's he'll figure it out. You, you feel pretty good about lavero Paguero. You, you feel once you get Cruz back, that's a big boost. Even if Key is what he is as a hitter, he's going to give you absolutely elite defense at third base. I don't know. You feel halfway decent about that lineup. But this pitching, it's just – it goes beyond the rotation. If you look at the bullpen, with the exception of David Bednar, and I know Bednar's kind of struggled a little bit lately, but he pitched four out of five days. I think that had more to yeah. do with it than anything. I mean, yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. And even that game against Milwaukee, there was some fluky stuff in the field. Like, that wasn't completely on him. And he, even last night, he was one out away from getting out of that mess. Like, I think that's just more the guy's pitched four out of five days. He He's just tired. That happens. Yeah. But with the exception of Bednar and Carmen Majinski, who's pitched really well since he's come up, Every reliever has gotten worse since the end of April. They all have regressed. Holderman has regressed. Now, Holderman battled the wrist injury. That might have been part of it, but he has regressed. Jose Hernandez has regressed. It, it's, it's, it, they've all gotten worse, and that's concerning. Like, Dwayne Underwood Jr. is not here anymore. Dowie Moretta was really struggling before going on the injured list. So, it's not just the starting rotations. I, I don't know. And building a bullpen, it's not that hard. It really isn't. When, when Neil Huntington was here, there were plenty of years the Pirates were god awful and so had a really good bullpen. It's not hard to build a good major league bullpen. And the fact that, We haven't seen that yet in four years. Worries me too. I I don't know. It's just the biggest reason I struggle to find a whole lot of confidence about where the hell this thing is going is because I just, I don't know who's going to throw the ball for them next year, unless they're going to go out and spend a lot of money in free agency, which we know they're not going to like, where, where are they going to find pitching? Where is it coming from? And you better hope you better hope Jared Jones, Anthony Solomito and Paul Skeens all pan out. You need all three of them to pan out. You can't set back and say, eh, if one of them works, that will be okay. No, you need all three of them to pan out. You need all three of them to reach their ceiling. Because if Paul Skeens does not come in here and pitch like a future Cy Young award winner, if Solomedo and Jones don't get here and pitch like, you know, top of the rotation at worst, number three kind of guys, like you're anticipating, there's not much coming behind them. You know, there, there, there's not much coming behind them with pitching it. it they, they're going to be in a real bad spot for an extended period of time if all three of those guys do not pan out
2: yeah i mean you know at this point it's you almost wonder if any of these guys are going to pan out i mean you know it's i mean,
3: I will say if paul Skeens doesn't pan out i, I i'll 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 give up because yeah well that would that he, i think he, that's
2: different you, you know that's
3: yeah, like, I think either pitching coach and Paul Skeen should be okay. He's that good. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah I mean, you, you'd you have to sit there and, uh, you know, try to just break it down and make it worse. That is a guy, you know, it's, it's a Zion Williamson effect. This is a guy that, is just gonna succeed, barring some kind of crazy injury. And if but he doesn't,
3: if there's one organization in sports who would find <laughs> a way to well, clean you know, this up, it's the Dylan Pittsburgh. Cruise, <laughs> the
2: first FCL home run, you know. It's like, but yes, um, it has to work, Marty. I mean, this is a this is a franchise that you know is obviously in a certain spot, like we talked about at the top of this episode. But you know, a lot of things have to work out. I think if you want to turn it around quickly, but over a three to four year period, I don't even think it has to be a lot of things. I think just some things and we're not seeing we're not seeing really anything pan out to the extent that, um, you know, it needs to at this point. And, you know, you look at the things because obviously we're talking about a team that, you know, I think if you get into it, it's like you feel like it's a sob story. And this team is. You know, not winning because they they don't draft the right players, and they don't make the right, they don't spend the money, and they don't. But you know, at the end of the day, I think you you can. It is justifiable to point to the fact that baseball is not set up for parity. It just isn't with the way that it's structured comparatively to the other leagues. But when you have a team like Pittsburgh, um, you know, there's things you can do. Even though it's maybe not set up as best as it should be for parity, there are ways that you can find. You know, advantages. You can draft the right players. You can go out. And use your international pool money correctly. You know, you can find guys on the cheap and turn them into, you know, small market superstars. If you look at what the last regime did, obviously you need to have to you have to draft guys like Andrew McCutcheon that go on to pan out and that can anchor your franchise. But I don't think that's the issue right now. I think it's the fact that this club is not taking advantage of You know, some of the little things in this game and, uh, you know, it's left them with a staff that is just completely incompetent. And this is a game of runs, of course. But, um, you know, if if you zoom out and you look at the overall picture of where this is, as far as the staff goes, as far as the bullpen, as far as the future of both of those things, um, I don't think we can feel very good. And, uh, you know, this slow, I don't want to say slow, this downturn that Mitch Keller has seen the second half and a little bit before that as well. Is uh, is the scariest part of it all. Um, you know, in hindsight, Marty, I, I wonder if there was even a, a trade that was relatively worth it, or if you know, the other 29 really the other the other buyers saw it and uh you know decided that Mitch Keller is what we're seeing right now and not what we saw before in the first half of the season. Like I it's think-
3: basically become Johan Oviedo and Prey, and that's just not a position I ever would have guessed we'd be in back in April.
2: No. But you know what? Johan Oviedo is uh, is something to at least get a little bit confident about. And he's a guy that was a St. Louis Cardinal. That is now a Pittsburgh Pirate. So that adds on there. And, and the
3: one thing, too, I, I know I've said this a bunch about Oviedo this year, and I will continue to say it, is, you know, I know – you look at his overall numbers, you're going to see a 418 ERA, which is not the prettiest thing in the world, but also in today's baseball by no means is that bad. Um But also, he has had three just absolute horrendous starts, and if in those three starts he's literally giving up something like thirty-three percent of the runs he's allowed all year, so you you know he's made twenty-three starts here. Excuse me, and essentially three have been god awful. The other twenty, he's and the other twenty, he's pitched to like a three-twenty ERA. I'll take that. He's absolutely. The only the only pitcher in the National League with more starts this year in which they've allowed one earned run or less is Blake Snell. I, I, I will take that from a guy <laughs> who you don't look at as your number one or even your number two, really. So, yeah. yeah. I'll just that. The uh, first, um, uh, Johanna Oviedo appreciation moment.
2: I was going to say. Not,
3: not the Austin Hedges appreciation moment that I'm sorry, Travis Sachik. You were wonderful on the beat. Big dad of baseball. If you've never read it, go read it. I'm sorry, Travis. There will never be an Austin Hedges appreciation moment in Pittsburgh no matter how hard you try and push it out.
2: <laughs> Shout out, Travis. And a, and a noble thing, but not around here. Um, but you know what, Marty? I do feel a segment coming on there. I think, uh, I think you said it. It's there. Um appreciation award. I don't know what we're going to call this, but maybe we just circle a guy every episode that, uh, you know, that has it, that you can tell even though – because there's going to be suck either way. Anyway, we draw it, there's going to be some suck. But you know, we have to look for the silver lining. So Johan Oviedo, it's there. You can see it's there award. You can tell that it is there. The rest of the staff, we don't know. Uh, some other transactions today. And happy Paul Skeens Day. If you're listening on Thursday, the 10th of August, not in Pittsburgh, as you know, I think some people kind of speculated that there would be a, a, a percentage chance, a small one maybe, that he would end up at the big league level this season. But um FCL, Paul Skeens Day, Florida. Coast League, um, or excuse me, Florida Complex League. What am I talking about? Paul Skeen's making his pro debut tomorrow. No,
3: Drop that that's tomorrow. coming on Thursday.
2: Paul Skeen's making his pro debut today. Happy Paul Skeen's Day. Um, let's let's transition to our minor league minute here, Marty. Let's talk about what is going on at the levels below. Because, uh, obviously, pitching has kind of been our focus this episode, and there's not a whole lot of it in Pittsburgh right now. But, hey, there's some other guys that we got to talk about down in the minor leagues. Um, you mentioned Anthony Solomito. It's been fun to continue to watch this. Bubba Chandler on a heater. What are your thoughts? Minor League Minute here, Marty.
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously, right now, the Pittsburgh Pirates in the minor leagues. And today, you're going to talk about Paul Skeens. I'm pumped. I'm excited. I can't wait. By the time you listen to this, he may have already started. I fully expect him to make a bunch of 17, 18 year old kids look absolutely silly today and it's gonna be great. Um, I have all intentions of trying there, has gotta be. I don't know if uh MILB TV has complex leagues games on it or not. Be. I, I'd like to think with Paul Skeens making his pro debut, there's gotta be a stream somewhere. Um, if not, I'm gonna be following it on, on the game day app very closely. I'm pumped. I can't wait, man. Just I think as a pirate fan, the, this even when like you can go all the way back to the lumber company and that 60 world series team, they, they, they've always been a team who when they've been good for the most part, it's been the offense. Um, they've never had very few and far between. They've only got two Cy Young winners in franchise history. Like very few and far between. Do they have that true top of the rotation? Just F you, shut you down guy. I think that's part of what made AJ Burnett so popular when he was here. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I can't wait to see what Skeens can do. Um, on top of him, minor League Minute. I have been beating this drum for well over a month at this point. Jace Bowen needs promoted to double-A. Um, Wednesday night, he had his 20th home run of the year at Greensboro. He is just absolutely killing the ball there. He's starting to play some first base, which I think is intriguing because we all know this team needs something at first base long-term. I'd really like to see him get to Altoona sooner rather than later. And speaking of Altuna excuse me, uh, Sung Chi Chang. He's a guy you've heard us talk about here before. I've always been really high on him higher than a lot of prospect sites are started really slow for the curve started something like two for 28. Um, been red hot since then had a hit in each of their games in their doubleheader on Thursday. His hitting streak is now up to 17 games. Um, batting average. If it's not up over 300 at Altoona at this point, it's getting close, which again, he started two for 28 with double a. So it, it took some work to get there. Um, Really excited about him. He's a guy who I think, you know, you, you look at his long-term projection. And is he ever a starter in the major leagues? I don't know. But I think you could definitely see a scenario where he has a similar career arc to someone like Josh Harrison. So, uh, yeah, that that's a guy to keep keep your eye on in Altoona the rest of the year. Don't think he gets to Indy this year because he just got to Altoona in either late June or early July. But, uh, yeah, Sung Shi Chang, is definitely a guy to keep your eye on in Altoona the rest of the season. And hopefully – He'll be playing in the same infield as Jace Bones. So.
2: Yes, it's gonna be fun to follow out, you know, the rest of the way. And uh, we had a term our call up, I think that was since the last time we recorded. This ball
3: yeah.
2: So, congratulations to our Johnson. And uh, yeah, this is an exciting day, Marty. I mean, we don't, um, you know, it's not obviously the stakes are not nearly as high as when he will be making his major league debut, but this is the first taste. I mean, this is you know, the number one overall pick in a draft that you kind of feel like you have to get a guy that is going to be a legend. And I think you have that in Paul Skeens. We got a tweet of the week here. Uh, this one from MLB cathedrals. We got a poor one out here, Marty two for the proposal in the late sixties. Uh, I don't know if this was a city of Pittsburgh proposal, if it was the two organizations coming together, but uh, they were going to build a stadium multi-purpose on top of the river. I don't know if they were going to build the land, if it was just a huge bridge, what the deal was, but uh a really cool picture. Go check them out at MLB cathedrals of um what was to be in the 60s there in Pittsburgh. Um yeah, excited to see how the rest of the series plays out. As we uh, as we wrap up the episode here, the game has wrapped up as well. Atlanta wins this one 6 to 5. The Pirates have a chance to split here. Going to be a, a last a, a fun last game, fun finale with the um you know assumed representatives for the National League in the World Series this year. And then Cincinnati comes to town as well. And i should throw us a bone in my LB TV and let us watch Paul Skeen's tomorrow. We'll see what we got. Maybe they can bring back the look live button at least. I don't know if they still do that on the MLB app, but something. Please, let us watch our guy. Uh, Marty, you got anything else before we wrap it up here?
3: No. Um, like you said, it's going to be tomorrow, You, you get, or I guess today, by the time you're listening to get Series finally with Atlanta. Um you know, Bryce Elder against Bailey Falter. i'm I'm very intrigued to see how Falter does. That was a trade I liked. He pitched really well for Philadelphia last year, pitched really well in his Pirates debut in Milwaukee. Obviously, a Lance is a team he's familiar with from his time with the Phillies. Um, see what he can do. And then you have the Red Series,, um, you know, as much as I personally can't stand the Cincinnati Reds. There is definitely some young, exciting talent on that team. it be fun to watch. I mean, I won't watch them because I'm building a, a back deck on my house this weekend, so that'll be my life for three days. But um, for those who get to watch them, it should be a fun matchup with the Reds. And then after that, the schedule kind of lightens up a little bit. You know, you get the Mets. We said that about June, Marty. We yeah, but like you get the Mets. You, you go to Minnesota, who I think is in first place, but it's because their division sucks. You get the Cardinals, big important series there to stay out of the basement, and then you play the Cubs, but then you go to Kansas City. So if you can kind of just tread water these next couple of days, in theory you should be able to at least put like a 500-ish stretch together here to finish August and at least get into – if nothing else, if you can tread water these next four and then in that Mets, Twins, Cardinals, Cubs, Royal stretch go like 500, barring a just month of – unbelievable badness you at least take 100 losses off the table which again i can't believe we're sitting here saying that after the start of the season mm-hmm. of like oh man at least they won't lose 100 but that's where we're at please for the love of god don't make this three straight seasons of 100 losses um would be four straight if not for the covet year so just just put together a decent finish to august and you're going to go into september with Again, like I said, unless you would do something crazy, go like go like three and twenty, you're, you're not going to lose hundred games at least. So hey, that, that's where we're at. That's where we're at, guys. Let's just let's not make this three straight hundred loss seasons. And and maybe, maybe even avoid ninety losses. You never know. It can be done. It can be done. You only you you only need to win twenty more games to avoid ninety <laughs> losses. Twenty wins in seven weeks is not a lot. That really it's, it's like two and a half wins a week. Well, you can do it. <laughs>
2: It's doable. There's a chance. Uh, Fifty-one and sixty-three is where they're at. But you know what, Marty? This is a team that is still in playoff contention, and until they're not, eight, eight games out of the wild card, and uh, I think most importantly, a prime opportunity the rest of this year to finish ahead of the St. Louis Cardinals as they currently sit right now.
3: Yeah. In in all seriousness, on that front, <laughs> as long as the National League Central Division has existed. In which I think, you know, the 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 NL Central came into being, what, 94-9, whatever the expansion year was with the Marlins. The Pirates have only finished ahead of the St. Louis Cardinals one time, which was the freak show year of 97. Finishing ahead of the Cardinals, it, it would feel good, if nothing else, to say, you know what, things went sideways for us this year, but jokes on you, St. Louis, <laughs> you were somehow worse in – Nothing will ever ease the pain of winning 98 games and not winning the division, but uh, f- finishing ahead of them this year would, would at least feel nice.
2: Well, you know, it's small victories and Johan Oviedo was the highlight of our episode. So take that cocksuckers. That's right. <laughs> From our elite. My name is Trey Yenity. Check us out on Twitter at RumBunter and go check us out on the internet at rumbunter.com as well. Articles, covering this month of august covering a, a pittsburgh pirates team that has gone five and five in their last 10 that is 53 and excuse me 51 and 63 as we get ready for a series finale with atlanta and then the fun 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 cincinnati reds come to town so we'll have you posted up there but until next week and for our absent co-host nick Caparoso as well we will all be back to recap it preview what's coming up we'll see you guys next week and let's go bucks